0: This podcast is brought to you by the College of Nursing at Brigham Young University. For more information about its programs, faculty, students, or alumni events, please visit nursing.byu.edu.
1: Adults go to great measures to help alleviate the pain or suffering of a child, especially a sick one. However, nurses that support pediatric patients are even more extraordinary in these efforts. Today, we'll discuss the special nurses and the unique kids that they support. Stay tuned.
2: Hey everyone, I'm Eliza Joy.
1: And I'm Ryan Larson.
2: Together, we will explore nursing careers and professional insights.
1: With exclusive interviews for nurses working jobs that you want to know about.
2: Transferring info from one nurse to another.
1: This is The College Handoff.
2: Welcome back to The College Handoff. Today, we focus on home health pediatrics, caring for children living with severe illnesses and supporting their families. We'll hear from two local organizations, Ivy Lane Pediatrics in Northern Utah and Braids Place in Orem, Utah, that use registered nurses for home visits to address private duty nursing, respite care services, and pediatric school nursing. There's even a discussion of pediatric palliative care and other in-home services. Let's get started.
1: We have two guests with us today. We have Jessica Anderson. She happens to be an alumni of the College of Nursing at BYU. And we also have Wendon. Uh, Both of them work at Ivy Lane Pediatrics. Welcome to our show.
3: Hi, thank Uh, you. Thanks
1: for having us. To start off, would you guys mind explaining a little bit more about what your organization does?
0: Sure. We are um, a pediatric home health agency. Um, our owner, she started back in uh, 2006. Um, some of the bigger um, home health agencies were starting to get rid of their pediatrics. And so she wanted to still help out and started her own agency and just kept on a couple of kids and about a dozen nurses and started to grow up from there. Um so what we do is uh go into homes of kids who um are medically complex and take care of them. Some of them have 24-hour coverage, and others it's 8 hours. So we go in and help the parents out um whether you know it's during the day. Um sometimes they need to go to the store or or whatever and uh so we're there to help. Um, take care uh, of their medical needs. Um, most of what we do um, is at night so mom and dad can sleep. Um, so they, they can get that rest and, and care for their kid um, during the day. So, and recently, um, earlier this year, we were actually purchased uh, by a company called Amazing Care Home Health um, out of Colorado, who uh, basically got started the exact same way. In 2005, um, he left a big uh, home health agency and started his own uh, because he didn't like the direction that it was going in and cared more about the money than the patient. And uh, so what we do is try to focus on our patients and our employees first, um, because that's what we do Right? as we take care of the kids. And um, most of our nurses uh, become part of the family. We're actually going to um, change our name on January 1st. So when we were acquired, you know, there's a lot to that on changing the brand and, and the naming and, and everything. So we're technically Ivy Lane Pediatrics, an amazing care company.
1: I want to turn to Jessica. Now, Jessica, because you were a uh, student and you're an alumni of the college nursing When you were an undergrad student here, did you ever think that you would be working with pediatric kids like you are now?
3: No, not at all. Um, I think I had had children of my own by the time I graduated. And I think a lot of moms feel the same way that when you contemplate what you want to specialize in, just the thought of doing pediatrics is kind of difficult because you have your own kids and nobody wants to see children, you know, in pain or suffering. Nobody wants to you know, poke a kid with a needle. (laughs) So uh, I think a lot of people shy away from pediatrics for that reason. Um, But to my surprise, um, working with uh, private duty, pediatric home health has been not at all what I expected. And it was completely natural and enjoyable. um, And it's just been one of my best working experiences in my career.
1: I'm kind of curious, though, would you mind maybe walking us through what your typical day looks like?
3: Sure. Um, I did night shifts, and we do have a lot of um, night shifts available. Um, and honestly, it's, it's very intuitive, like what you would do caring for your own children. You come in, and um, a lot of times the kids need to be fed. A lot of our patients receive their nutrition through a gastric tube in their stomach. And so it's feeding and bathing and giving medications and, um, sometimes doing breathing treatments, get them ready for bed, put their pajamas on that type of thing. And just going through the nightly routine and giving the parents a break, um, when they do a lot of the care on their own and we put them to bed and, you know, watch the, sometimes they're on ventilators or they have an oximeter that monitors their oxygen throughout the night. And so We monitor their vital signs and their breathing and make sure that everything is optimal so that they can get a good night's rest and, uh, you know, have good oxygenation to their brain while they sleep.
1: Ah, that's really important stuff. Do you ever find that maybe there's one particular type of medical issue that's a little more common that you see with the pediatric patients that you interact with?
3: Um, Our patients are very diverse for the most part. Um, I would say if there's a common thread, a lot of our patients are on ventilators. um, And a lot of our patients um, have gastric tubes, um, tracheostomies, that type of thing. And so um, for that reason, you do learn how to handle these issues very, very well. Because you see the same patients day in and day out. And you spend a lot of time with them. And so you kind of become an expert, so to speak, in in those type of medical issues. Um, the longer you work there, and I feel like these skills transition really well. If someone has ambitions to work in the ICU um, or other, you know, areas in the hospital, I think this is a great way to get your feet underneath you and <clears throat> sort of gain that confidence in your skills, because it is very difficult, um, as many know, <laughs> to transition from nursing school to just jumping into the hospital setting and the ICU setting. It's very intense and you have lots of patients and every day the patients are different and they have different doctors. And and so this is a great uh, preparatory type of job, I think.
1: Well, thanks, Jessica, for sharing that. I think that's really selfless of you that you're helping out not only a patient, but a family member in their own home. Now, I want to um, turn to, to Wendon now. Wendon, Jessica was just talking about what her typical night shift looks like and things like that. What about during the day? I mean, these are pediatric patients, and obviously some of them are in really critical cases. Some of them really aren't. So what do these patients typically do during the day when they're not sleeping and they're not on a ventilator or something like that, like Jessica was talking about?
0: Um, well, uh, just one thing that comes to mind is, is our school um, nursing. So we do go into the home and, and do pediatric um, nursing there, um, but several of our, our patients actually um, go to school and they still need that care and the schools can't provide that for them. So they contract with us. Um, so we go to school with them. So we get to go to, um, their home about 15 minutes, uh, before their bus picks them up just to make sure they're ready, get all their equipment, um, together. We ride the bus with them to school and we go to school with them. Um, and they're there. The nurse is just there. Um, primarily to care for um, the student. Um, The teachers and the teacher aides will handle their education, but we handle their medical needs um, while they're there. And then we ride the bus home with them, and we have about 15 minutes um, to just check in with mom or dad, um, let them know what happened at school, um, the cares that were provided there, um, and they leave. Uh, so that's a, that's a service that a lot of our nurses like, um, you know, sometimes um, it's, it's, it's a variety, you know, we get to go into the home and care for them while they're there. Um, and then we also get to go to the school with them so that they can still get a good education. Uh, but we're there to make sure that um, medically they're cared for. So, yeah, we're, we're contracted with eight school districts in in Utah uh, to provide that care for and uh, we love the schools. We love working with them and, and providing that care so that, that our kids can go to school and, and still get that education. Hey, listen.
1: Now, Wyndon, in, in preparation to talking with you, we saw on your website that a lot of times you will hire LPNs, uh, which is exciting for our nurses because a lot of them will have their LPNs after their their fourth year in the program. So what what would an LPN do in your guys' organization?
0: Yeah, we we love LPNs. Um, we Some of them we only keep for a year, year and a half because a lot of them will go on and become a registered nurse and they have ambitions to, you know, work in the hospital and the ICU or the emergency room or something like that. And, and we're totally fine with that. Um, we like to get them... Um, as soon as they become LPNs and train them, um, teach them some skills. Uh, A lot of our patients are on um, trachs, ventilators, um, have G-tubes. And so when we get them in, we go through an orientation process, um, a skills checklist, train them on the skills that um, they need to care for our patients. And then we send them out into the field with a nurse that will then train them on the specifics of the kid. Uh, Cause each kid is different um, medically as well as personality. Some of our patients, um, they can't speak. So we have to train them on how that kid communicates, the grunts, the sounds, Um, some of them sign, not traditional sign language, um, but they have certain signs for different things. And so we have a nurse that's experienced with that specific patient uh, that trains this LPN um, how to care for this patient. And then once they feel comfortable, we set them loose. And um, the director of nursing that supervises them and that patient will follow up with them and have regular touch points with them to make sure that they're comfortable because uh, we don't want to just send them out in the field and say, hey, you're on your own. Go do good things. <laughs> so
1: Yeah, especially in an environment like that. I'm sure that can be pretty overwhelming. So it's good that there's some training involved for for them. I want to turn to Jessica now and ask her a similar question. Jessica, what type of certification did you need or do LPNs need to get involved and start working within this pediatric field?
3: Um, After the first portion of nursing school after you've completed about a year, year and a half of nursing school, then you're eligible to um, take the licensed practical nurse exam. So once you've passed that exam and you have your LPN license, then you can apply for a job like this. And um, a lot of places uh, don't hire LPNs or sometimes it's difficult to find good work as an LPN, but a lot of people do want to work through nursing school um, or sometimes people just want to get their LPN and, and be done, um, and this is a great way to go. So uh, once you have that LPN license, you can apply to Ivy Lane, and um, it's just such a great way to learn those skills. If you did want to go on and receive more education or get, a, get an RN, um, you would have really a leg up on other candidates um, as far as going to finish nursing school, or get an advanced degree or anything in the healthcare industry um, passing the test because you've actually done it hands-on and you know, it's not just theoretical. um, You've actually experienced it.
1: Yeah. That hands-on experience is really valuable for sure. Now, Jessica, you might be the best person I can ask for this type of question, but what are some of the best parts that you find most enjoyable about your particular line of work in the nursing field?
3: Well, the, the thing that I love about, Nursing the most is the patients. Like I say this over and over, but it's the patients. We just love them in any setting, and um, with working with Ivy Lane, you really get more interaction with the patient than you would in any other type of job. It's so enjoyable and so fulfilling, and and I think that if you're a people person and you're interested in maybe trying a medical career um or getting an lpn i think this is such a great way to go you can't go wrong because um you know the parents are just so grateful to have you there uh to get that help that they need so they don't have to care for these medically complex children 24 7 and a lot of times they have other children or they might have jobs or whatever and um they're just grateful to have you and it's such a a happy environment, a relaxed environment, like I said, and you're just with the patient for your entire shift and you're with their family. And so you get the maximum benefit of being a nurse. Whereas a lot of times when you're in the hospital, like Wyndham said, sometimes you just get a few minutes with each person and you don't get that personal attention that, that we nurses enjoy so much.
1: Yeah, that's a good thought. And just because because you're also uh, a fellow Alumni of the College of Nursing, I guess it's fair to ask, do you have any advice for people who maybe were like you at one point, I guess, a younger version of yourself who are are now in the undergrad program and they're about to graduate? Maybe they're considering pediatrics. Maybe they want nothing to do with with peds. What, what advice would you give to a younger self or an undergrad student today?
3: Yeah, I feel like if I could do it all over again, um, like I said, I didn't know that something like this existed in the nursing world. Um, is such a great job so fulfilling um, you know scheduling is really nice with Ivy Lane um, different than at the hospital I kind of dove in head first to the hospital setting in medical surgical and and I wanted to get you know experience and and get my feet underneath me but um, this would have been if I could go back and do it again I would have totally gone um, to Ivy Lane Pediatrics first and even though I wasn't interested in pediatrics um uh, like I said, I was coming off of a five-year hiatus from nursing when I started at Ivy Lane Pediatrics, so I was a little nervous about using my skills again and, uh, you know, am I going to remember things? And this was the perfect job for me to transition back into the nursing world. Um, Wyndham talked a little bit about the training process, and they really do uh, train you to be very familiar with each individual patient, and you're very comfortable before you start on your own and ready to go. Um and it's a very like I said, it's a much lower stress job than just jumping into the hospital setting. It's a great way to transition, and a lot of people may find that this is where they want to stay you know for the rest of their careers because um it is very uh low stress compared to other um nursing professions in the hospital where it's very demanding, and you know you constantly run run, run all the time to get all your work done and and this is where you can think and process and um. Do more for your patients, I think, than you can in a hospital. You just give them your meds, and, and that's all you can about do. <laughs> that's all you have time to do. Um, so I would have loved to have started out my career here. And, and even though I wasn't interested in pediatrics, um, I didn't think I could do that kind of work. But this, this is the job that was available, and, and I was surprised um, how much I enjoyed it. And it's not as difficult as you might think and uh the kids are stable when they're at home obviously you're not in the hospital doing invasive procedures or you know giving them shots and putting in ivs that type of thing we that's the stuff that's not as fun for nurses <laughs> you know to you know because it's uncomfortable for kids and and they don't like that but um at home they're stable and we just get to do all of the the good side of care the fun stuff and it's so enjoyable and yeah i just if I could have started my career there, that would have been an awesome thing. Awesome thing to transition to adult care even or any other type of care where you can get your skills really honed and be confident.
1: Yeah, it's such a fun niche, niche job, isn't it? Now, Linda, I want to go back to you. A lot of our students, they do have their LPN license. Uh, if they wanted to look for job openings in your organization, where would they go to find job openings like that?
0: Yeah, so um, right now you can just go to ivylane.org and click on the careers tab and we have all of our um, postings there. Um, and like I said, we we now cover all of Utah pretty much. So um, we have patients all the way from St. George up to the um, Idaho border up in Cache Valley. So um, we, we've had nurses who have been in Cache Valley and worked um, in our Logan office. Um, on patients for a few years and their husband got a job down in Utah County. And uh, so they moved and well, now we just switch them to a patient down in Utah County. So um, it's worked out pretty well.
1: Yeah. How fun, how fun it is to be a part of a growing organization like that. That's really amazing and good opportunity for our students to potentially Well, Jessica and Wendon, I want to thank you guys both for coming in and telling us a little bit more about your unique line of work. That was really fascinating. Thank you guys so much. Hey friends, the BYU Nurses Empowering Women Club focuses on connecting nurses to issues that are related to women. They meet each third Tuesday of the month at 5 p.m. in the Spencer W. Kimball Tower and welcome anyone to expand their knowledge of women's health And participate in service, learning, and fun experiences.
2: Okay, um, in studio, our guest today is the executive director and founder of Braid's Place, um, which provides home-based healthcare to children who experience long-term illness. So, um, Becky Oakley, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, So, the first thing I wanted to ask, I know a lot of our um, nursing students and alum will know some of these nuances, but um, for maybe people who you don't know a lot about nursing. Can you explain the differences between palliative care, hospice, and end-of-life care? Absolutely.
4: Curative care stands separate from palliative care, and that's probably the best way to introduce it and to explain it. If we have a disease or an illness and we have curative care for it, things we can do to remedy the situation to resolve the situation, then that's curative care. Palliative care stands separate from curative care, though we can happen at the same time. And palliative care um, works on increasing comfort, increasing function, decreasing the daily burdens that patients and their families have from their long-term illness.
2: Um, Does that differ from end-of-life care or is it, um, you know, a subcategory of it? Awesome
4: question. So palliative care, you can think of it like an umbrella. Okay. On one end you have of palliative care, you have the diagnosis of the life-altering illness on the other end, you have end-of-life care. Okay. Palliative care covers all of that. Hospice is very much end-of-life care or leading up to end-of-life care. Home and community-based palliative care can include any care focused after that time of diagnosis.
2: Okay, perfect. Um, so you started Braids Place. Um, what was the inspiration for it?
4: Sure. As a family, on a personal level of inspiration... Um, we were lucky enough to have a foster kid join our family who had medical complexities. Pretty sure we probably shouldn't have been allowed to have that foster kid because we certainly didn't have the training that we needed. We had no idea what we were getting into, but we knew we were happy to help. And so we did. And what we realized all of a sudden is the realities of what it takes to take care of a medically complicated kid the effects that it has on the whole family, good and rough Um, on a professional level. I think getting to know kids with medical complexities and how awesome they are. I think we can all think of one or two that we know in our life and they smile and they light up the room or they're down the street and you wish you knew how to interact with them other than the high five. Right. We can all think of that. And on the medical side of things, really just knowing we can do better by them and do better by their families. And those are the two inspirations for me for starting Braids Place.
2: What makes the care provided at Braids Place unique from from other doctors? So
4: our motto is actually, you know, unique medical care for unique kids. And that isn't only referring to that each of our children have unique diagnoses. Sometimes they're pretty rare and kind of one of a kind, but it is also that the care that they need is unique and not often found in most medical practices. To us, those are our entire practice, our kids with unique diagnoses and unique care. Our office is on four wheels. It's a mobile office. We don't have a clinic made out of brick and mortar yet. Um, And so all of our services are in their home where they need it, when they need it, at their most comfortable place and where we get the best assessments done. That's unique. We're available to our families 24-7, which is really unique and also critical for our kids. Um, We are a holistic care. Um, We take medical care of our patients physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And we're also unique in that we provide care for their caregivers, for their siblings, for the entire family.
2: Um, So you mentioned um, physical medical care. Can you explain what that is specifically?
4: Sure. By physical care, we mean anything that helps them and their physical body thrive or do as well as possible with their diagnoses. Um, I'm one of those weird people who love nursing care plans. There's probably not a lot of us alive. (laughs) Um, But I really, through that, learned to take diagnoses, to take symptoms, to take what we wanted to reduce and backtrack it to what kind of medical care gets us that outcome. And so, One of the other things that we find with our patients is they average 13 specialists. They average over five medications a day, and yet they have over three, three or more unmet medical needs. So in spite of all of those doctors, they still have at least three medical problems, physical medical problems that that team has not been able to solve. We go in and typically finish up our six hour intake process, which is in a couple appointments. But we finish that usually with about 10 goals of care of how we can improve their physical medical care um, of things that just fall in between the cracks or things that typical specialists haven't encountered before and don't know how to solve. We become great advocates for them and really try to resolve and bring their physical care to the highest level possible.
2: So, and besides the physical care, um, you also mentioned the emotional and spiritual care um, of these patients and their families. Um, Why is it so important to include those aspects?
4: It is so important to include those aspects. The medical world has long recognized in hospice, including emotional and spiritual care, and I think we assume that's about death. It isn't about death only, but that when we're living with complex medical challenges It's an entire experience for all of the human components, right? It isn't just a physical experience. And we find that we need to involve the whole patient in holistic care. Um, An example of what I mean is that the number one prognosis of patient wellness is how healthy are their caregivers. The number one prognosis of how's that patient going to do we look at how are their caregivers doing, and that's usually on the emotional side. On the spiritual side, how's their resiliency? How, how are they handling the day in and day out and emotional and spiritual side of living with medical complexities every day?
2: Um, so um, specifically about spiritual care, um, is that religious care or is it separate from... You know, religion, how How does that work, I guess?
4: Yeah, that's an outstanding question. So we actually looked and looked for a definition of spiritual care that we liked that fit how we do what we do, and we didn't find one. So we wrote our own in it. The first sentence is spirituality stands separate from religion, but that we look for supporting patients and families with reconciliation, with things that have happened in the past, peace in the present, hope for the future. And then we also, if they have meaningful religious practices that bring some of that into the day-to-day things, we're there to fully support and help them with those things. But that regardless of people's religious status, everyone needs some reconciliation, some peace, some hope. And that's how we define spiritual care.
2: talking about this, um, you're not just specifically helping patients, it's also um, the families and those that are close to them. Um, I guess my question is, how do you navigate um, working with such, you know, different groups of people? Like, families are really complex, and um, why is it so important to do that as well?
4: Yeah, we handle it by making it individualized. We handle it by finding out what is important values-wise and priority-wise to that family. What are their goals? What do they want to see happen? Who's in their family? How is that going? We have a family that we work with that their um, child is now 14 and grandma and grandpa don't quite know how to interact and communicate with that kiddo Mm -hmm. anymore. And so we can go in and surround them with knowledge and information in one of the services that we provide that's called a family workshop and teach them one-on-one how this kid now communicates and help those grandparents feel comfortable again, around their grandchild, because they very much want to surround that grandchild. The medical complexities just make that challenging. So when we go in on an individual basis, we're able to do that for them. Um, siblings who grew up with medically complicated brothers and sisters, they have needs unlike any other, um, and their needs aren't just the normal typical day-to-day kid needs. It's that they know that their parent needs to attend to their sibling and so maybe they don't get to do sports consistently. Maybe they don't get to have their parents at their sport games. And then they get to struggle with, do I want that? Of course they do. Their kid, do they feel guilty about that? They probably do because they know their parents have to be with their sibling. So we can step in and add extra layers of support and, and really focus on them and give them some extra tools to deal with that.
2: So for our nursing students or even our pre-nursing students, are there volunteer opportunities at Braids Place that they can take advantage of?
4: Absolutely. We really rely on volunteers. We decided to form our organization as a nonprofit. About 40% of palliative care is covered by insurance. And so the rest, we really need volunteers and people who can help out with it. Um, And those would include working with siblings. It gives an opportunity for nursing students or pre-nursing students to go into people's homes and be working on the same kid that they would have as a patient in the hospital. We also have community events for siblings, for families, and we need quite a lot of volunteers to help. Be sure that those go off well.
2: Um, and if, if any of our listeners have questions about Braids Place or um, palliative care or, um, or how they can volunteer, what's an email they could reach you at?
4: Absolutely. Becky Oakley at braidsplace.org. So that's spelled B E C K Y O A K L E Y at B R A D E S P L A C E dot Becky Oakley at braidsplace dot org.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in today and talking to us about this. Um, as someone who doesn't know a lot about nursing, I feel like I learned a lot today.
4: Well, thank you for having us. It's a great, great thing to be able to share our story and the needs of our patients.
1: Thanks, Eliza. I really enjoyed the interview that you had with Becky and all the challenges that she addressed relating to emotional care and stress management and grief and kids.
2: Yeah. um, And it was really interesting during the interview. She shared how spiritual wellness is included in what they do, um, such as identifying meaning and purpose in life and how that can look different than expected. Mm -hmm. I also loved your interview and how they mentioned sending a nurse with the child to their school. It's really important that these kids have, you know, someone that really understands their medical needs outside a school nurse.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting how Jessica and Wyndon both had some interesting perspectives on helping kids who have some serious and hard difficulties in their life, but they're still able to go on and, and live more or less normal lives in the schools. Well, that's all we have for you guys today. Join us next week when we learn from a chief nursing officer in Idaho.
2: Remember to follow us on Instagram at The College Handoff and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. See you next week.